Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, church. Uh, we thank the Lord for this opportunity to minister his word. And today, as we have said, is uh, Mother's Day. And I want to appreciate and thank all types of mothers this day. I want to appreciate all the grandmothers who have stepped in as mothers. We, uh, we want to appreciate the new mothers. We know it can be difficult to be a new mother. We want to appreciate single mothers. Um, we want to appreciate all the working mothers, the stay-at-home mothers. And we want to appreciate those who are not yet mothers, but they exude motherhood. We want to appreciate those who have adopted children. Uh, we also want to appreciate the perfectionist mothers, the unpredictable mothers, the weary and the tired, which is most of us. We want to appreciate the best friend mother. All mothers, we want to say that you are doing a noble, a noble job. And you may not be thanked all the time. But we celebrate you today and pray that God will continue to give you strength and wisdom. As you've heard, my name is Edna. I am born again. I love the Lord. I'm also a mother and I love, love mothering my children. I'm also married to Kimani and we thank God. Today, uh, we'll be sharing the word of the Lord. And I would just want us to turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 21, where we will be getting um, guidance from. And we are also going to read John chapter 3, verse 1 to 15 of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and, what, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. God, we thank you for your word, and as we hear it today, may your word find a place in our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as we have read, our main premise coming from the book of Numbers chapter 21, from verse 4 to 9. These are the children of Israel who have a record of complaining from the time they came from Egypt. It is recorded that they at least complained 13 times from, the, from Egypt to the wilderness until they got into Canaan. And I'm going to mention some of these 13 times that they complained. The first time they complained was in the book of Exodus chapter 14. They complained to Moses and they said, because of you, you and your talk of the promised land, Pharaoh has made things worse for us. They also complained in the book of Exodus chapter 14. They complained to Moses and said, leave us alone because you have brought us to the wilderness. And are there no graves in, in, in Egypt that you brought us here? They also complained in the book of Exodus chapter 15. They complained about the bitter water. They also complained in Exodus 16 about being hungry. And then God gave them manna and quail. They also complained about being thirsty in Exodus 17. 
They also complained in Numbers chapter 11 about food. In Numbers chapter 12, uh, Miriam and Aaron complained about Moses' leadership and, Mos and the Lord cast Miriam with lepro leprosy. They also complained in Numbers chapter 14 about how difficult it looked to conquer the giants in the land and they actually refused to enter the promised land. They also complained in Numbers chapter 14 uh, and they wanted to kill Moses and tried to select another leader. And the Lord sought to destroy the people with pestilence. They also complained in Numbers chapter 16. And they say uh, the key re leaders rebelled against Moses. And the again, they complained in Numbers chapter 16. And they accused Moses of killing God's people. The, the people again complained in Numbers chapter 20 that they had no water. And therefore Moses got very angry. They also complained in the story that we have read. And this time round, God brought a solution. And the Bible says that God from the ground brought the fiery snakes, venomous snakes. My first response to this snake incident was, God, this is so intense. This is so extreme of you, God. It's just not fair. Snakes. And then my second response was, I'm truly grateful to God that you actually do not do that today. Could you imagine if every time we complained that from the ground, God would release venomous snakes. But I want to ask us, we want to ask ourselves, but why were the children of Israel complaining? First, they were complaining because they were exhausted. They had traveled. It is recorded that at this time, they had traveled uh, in the wilderness for 38 years. They were, were just two years away into entering uh, their promised land. So you can say that they were exhausted. They had also just faced opposition from the Canaanites in the previous verses. They were discouraged. The land they were passing through was very dry. It was hilly on either side. And the rock was hard and the sun was hot. They were also detouring to a longer route because they had been denied access through Edom, which was a shorter route. The king of Edom had told them that they could not pass uh, through the nation. Therefore, they were detouring to a longer route. Because of this, then they started murmuring and complaining. But actually what they were saying was not true. They complained that they had, not, they had no bread. But every morning, if you remember, the Lord sent manna from heaven and quail. They just didn't want manna anymore. The meal was mundane and they wanted more. In fact, they called it the worthless bread. They complained about water. But if you read the Bible very careful, they had a rock that issued them water wherever they were going. It was a moving rock. They were also not a defeated nation. Just as we have read, they had just been given victory because they had pleaded with God that they may uh, overcome the nation of Canaan. If Canaan, if you know the Canaanites, if you know the nation of Canaan, they were a very strong people. And for the Israelites who had no military prowess to overcome the Canaanites was an act of God. So God has just, had just given them victory over a very strong nation. In fact, one of the most powerful nations of their time. And it just tells me that it doesn't take long for the thrill of a victory to disappear and for discouragement to, dis, to, to set in. 
it reminds me of how many people are always smiling during their wedding day. They have these ecstatic smiles, but immediately they get into marriage. Years, like few years after they got, get into marriage, the smile starts fading away. And the children of Israel, ecstatic state of God's victory for the 38 years they were in the wilderness, had quickly disappeared from them. In response to their complaining and murmuring, God sent them fiery serpent. Do you know what it means to have desert snakes released on you? It is researched and recorded that this desert that they were in had horned vipers, puff adders, even today, cobras and carpet vipers. And we want to believe that this amongst others, were the snakes that God released from the ground because of their complaining and their murmuring. But God, and we thank God for him, just being a God of mercy, could not let his people perish. And he instructed Moses to make a bronze snake. And anyone who had been beaten by any of those venomous snakes would look up to the pole and they would be spared. The Bible says the word that is used there is that they would look and live. The word used look in Hebrew means ra, R-A-A, which means to see, but also carries the same connotation as gazing intently, unwavering look. They just couldn't steal a glance. That wouldn't have worked. They needed to gaze intently at the bronze serpent, and when they did, then they lived. You know, the bronze serpent, there is what we call the typology, the theology of typology. And uh, the, the bronze serpent, as we have read in the book of John, was symbolizing Jesus Christ who was, who was put up as the man on the cross. And today, Jesus Christ is the man that when we look up, we leave. The man Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee, a respected leader, a moral man, and an honest seeker but was a lost man and was searching for the truth came to Jesus at night religion could not solve his problem his education could not save his uh, he could not save him his respect in the society could not save him he was looking for life for something to gaze at and to live he came to the real brazen serpent Jesus Christ, the one who was lifted up on the cross so that today we can live and we can have eternal life. You see, the Bible doesn't tell the story of God and the Israelites only. The Bible actually also tells our story. Our story of a, of a long road of rebellion. A story of love that has been damaged but has miraculously recovered. A story of not just us going to heaven, but us, God's children, who do not listen, and God who is relentless and merciful in his pursuit. That is a moment of, si of silence, a seller moment, that we know that this story we read of the children of Israel can easily relate to us today. The children of Israel, just like us, believed that the past looked better than the present. In fact, of all those times that they were complaining, the 13 times, the children of Israel preferred to go back to Egypt. Even though when they were in Egypt, they cried to God for deliverance for 400 years. 
It is an oxymoron that you can ask God to deliver you. And when he does, you actually want to go back. I want to submit to us that the past is not always blissful. Many times we are living in a reminiscing mode. We want to go back. But where we want to go back is a place of pain. Many times we are saying, I wish we could turn back the hand of time. Many times we are saying the love of Egypt is so good. We always want to go back to the place that is familiar. But it is not always a good place for us. Many times we are missing out on the embraces of our God. Many times we are missing out on the embraces of, our, of the people that love us. Many times we are missing out on our friends because we want to go back. But I want to tell us this morning or afternoon or evening is that this moment that you are in and living today is actually a God moment. You are not here by mistake, but it is the Lord that has brought you even in the midst of what looks uncertain and painful. It is still a God moment. The children of Israel, just like us, forgot that there is so much that, the, that God had done in their past and was doing then. And there is so much that he was going to do for them. They probably forgot that God had heard their prayers when they called on him while in slavery. And when he, they f forgot that God had raised a redeemer in Moses, that he had helped them to negotiate their released, release, that he parted the Red Sea when the armies of Pharaoh were right behind them charging, that he was a cloud by day, and you know the desert is a hot, hot place, that God was a cloud by day, and that he was a fire by night, and he provided water to them by a moving rock. And the other thing is that those serpents that were released from the ground were always there. Because a desert, as we know, and it's proven, that desert has very venomous snakes. But for 38 years, God had protected the children of Israel from the venomous snakes. God was always with, with them. God was always protecting them. And God was always providing for them. You know, God is always doing so many things in our lives. Over 10,000 things probably, hypothetically speaking. But we are just aware of three of them. We spend a lot of our time telling people of our frustrations and complaining like the children of Israel. We talk about our emotions. We are exhausted. We are hurt. We are betrayed. We talk about our social lives. We want to belong. We are lonely. We want to fit in. We talk about phys our physical life. We are famished, hungry, thirsty. We talk about our economical state. We are not making enough money. But what we forget is that our greatest need or humanity's greatest need is that it has always been and will continue to be a spiritual need. And God, Jesus Christ, has already met that need. The Israelites' greatest need and pressing and greatest need was for them to be released from Egypt. And the Lord had done, them, had, had done that by his mighty hand and his, and his servant Moses. It reminds me of a story of a groom, of a, of a, of a man, a husband, who always complained of his wife, wife's food. You say, my wife doesn't cook, cook good food. The, the, the cabbage is floating, the potatoes are, flo are floating. And then one day he goes to, to work and he's called and he's told that your wife has just died of a road accident. Do you think at that moment he's thinking 
good riddance to bad food? Absolutely not. At that moment, he's thinking, I've just lost my wife, which is the main thing. The main thing for you and I is that our spiritual need has been met. And Jesus is our type of the bronze serpent. And what he did on the cross is offer us redemption for free. Today, God continues to tell us the same thing, that we look up to him and we shall live, lest we be beaten by the fiery snakes and die. Every day we face difficult things that are able and capable to drown us, to choke us, to suffocate us, and even to take you out. And I know you've heard of people who have died because of the things that they have gone through. But when we look at Christ and not steal a glance at him, but gaze intently without wavering, for sure we shall live. We need to look at Christ, our bronze serpent, for salvation. We became lost, sin uh, lost sinners by a single look. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible says the woman saw that the tree was good for food. The woman looked and saw that the tree was good for food. It was out of a single look that we all got ourselves into trouble. And in a similar manner, we are saved by a single look at Jesus Christ. The, the, the Christian life begins by looking. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah 45 verse 22, Let the whole world look at me for salvation, for I am God and there is no other. It is in this moment of looking and searching that the man that we read about Nicodemus, a Jewish ruler, as a member of the Sanhedrin, a respected man in society, just lost all the futility of religion as a Pharisee. He gazed at Christ and in him he, he found abundant life because later on in the, in the Gospels, you see Nicodemus being at the, the final days of Jesus Christ, he's recorded to be taking care of Jesus um, in, 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 in his death. By gazing at Christ, I said, we find abundant life. We find love. We find acceptance. We stop wondering. Our minds are settled and our souls are anchored. And those are the real needs of humanity. We also need to look at Christ for our daily living. The Christian con life continues, the Christian continues to live by looking. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which easily, um, which easily clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking, again the word is looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Life is not pre predictable. There are always ups and downs. When times are good, trusting God always seems like an easy thing to do. But when times are difficult, it is even important for you and I to trust God. But unfortunately, we don't. Life can be going on smoothly for a season. Your job could be satisfying. Your friends and family are enjoyable. Your goals, your finances, your health and outlook seem so bright. Then all of a sudden, life just throws at you a curveball. And that is life. Someone you know gets sick. You know gets sick. You lose your job. A friend or a family member, they betray you. The things you felt secure in, all of a sudden are shaky and uncertain. It is in those moments that we are to trust more. 
but unfortunately, we don't. And the Lord is strongly telling us today to trust him. To trust him in our difficulties and in our good moments. To trust him in his reliability. To trust his word that he shall carry you. The fire will not burn you and the waters will not drown you. To trust in his ability and to trust in his strength. God says, trust me. Look at me and you shall live. Many times we don't trust. We vent to get things out of our chest. We are gloomy and moody. But we need to be cautious and guard our hearts so that our complaining does not peradventure imply that we do not trust God, we do not trust his provision, and like the Israelites, disdain what he has provided today and call it this worthless bread. Can you believe food from heaven in the desert? They looked at, 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 their, at their leader Moses and said that this food is worthless. Some of us are complaining and frustrated. But what that does, it just reveals our deep-seated spiritual issues. Many of us are saying this air I breathe is worthless. These friends I have, they are worthless. This family I have, is, uh, they are just worthless. And we are not enjoying the God moment, and like the children of Israel, we are complaining and oblivious of what God has done, is doing, and will continue to do. Then we need to look and live till the end of our lives. It is not an instantaneous thing only. We look at him when we are giving our lives to, to him. We look at him when we are living our lives, and we look at him until the end of our lives we need to be looking at christ the bible says in the book of philippians chapter 3 verse 20 but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ are we living with a view of eternity are we living as though christ could come today and he could are we having a proper view of eternity and, and, and are we actually letting that view drastically affect our lives? How, as a Christian, do you protect your heart from discouragement or giving up? It is having a view of heaven and Christ's second coming. The Bible says that Christ went to prepare for us a place and he is coming back. We are not even here for a very long time. And most of us won't get out of here alive. We will live on the other side of eternity longer than we have lived on this other side. One of the secrets to suffer in this world is to always remember that we are pilgrims. As one of my friends called Mugo uh, got, recently got born again. And then when he was reading scriptures, he came across this word sojourner. And it's, I think, his favorite word in the Bible. And every day we are with him and with our, with our, with our friends. He keeps telling us, that remember you are sojourners. I think many times we are dull to that memory that we are sojourners and therefore we need to live with a view of the imminent return of Jesus Christ that he is coming soon. Do not hold on to things too tightly. In fact, we are told not to make our investments here where there is uh, rust and moth but to make our investments in things that are eternal. Do not hold on to grudges for so long, no matter what. 
it doesn't, it's not worth it. Our physical life is fading away and you know the way you're feeling today is not how you were feeling 10 years ago. The Bible says that we are like flowers. It even tells us that we are like a tent. The way you can pitch up a tent and the next moment you bring it down. You are like that tent. Our lives are too short and, the, and we are encouraged to live in fellowship with God at all times. The Bible says in the book of First Peter chapter 4 verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Therefore, in conclusion, is that God encourages us to look at him and live. Because the things that we are going through are like those fiery serpents. And if we don't look up and our eyes gaze, not, not glance, but gaze intently at Christ, we will surely perish. We need to have a focused prayer life. We need to have a sound mind. We need to be sensible and serious. We need to have self-control, the Bible says. We need to control our passions and desires so that God will help us. And I pray that today we will always know that this world is actually not our home. May we look up to him and live our perfect, perfect bronze serpent, the man lifted up on the cross so that we can have salvation, that our lives will be abundant and eventually he will take us home where we are reunited with our maker. I just want to ask us at this time, many of us probably have not been looking at Jesus Christ and probably that's why you are so defeated and that's why maybe you are so discouraged and I always know even in my own life when I am grappling in the darkness when I do not know where to go or who to go to I always know that I'm not looking at the my real bronze serpent that is Jesus Christ and whenever I lift up my eyes to him I start feeling strength coming upon me and him lifting me up I want to encourage us if you're there and probably you don't even have a relationship with the real savior Jesus Christ I want to ask you to give your life to him. He's the only one who can take you through salvation. He's the only one who can present you to God faultless. I want to ask you to give your life to Christ and tell him, God, today, I come to you, my father. I am tired. I am wavering. My soul is not anchored. I am unstable in all my ways. And God, today, I ask you that you may help me to fix my eyes on you. And where, God, I am weak and weary that, Lord, you may strengthen me from this day. I ask you, Father, that you may become my real bronze serpent. And I also want to pray for people that are going through difficult times. And probably you've become like the children of Israel. You are complaining. You are frustrated to a point that you cannot see the blessings of the Lord in your life today. You are darkened with your problems. I want to ask you to release that burden and look at the, at the real Christ, the real brother serpent, to look at him and you shall live. Leave that weariness at the cross. Leave that pain at the cross. Leave that anxiety at the cross. There is nothing you can do about it. Leave that mistake at the cross. Leave that uh, de defeat at the cross. Leave it there. That's where uh, Jesus Christ dealt with it. And I pray that you will look up and leave. For those that are, wo are wounded, heartbroken, uh, uh, despised, 
they feel like they do not belong I pray that you put all those things at the cross of Jesus. It is such a heavy burden to bear. And I pray that you let Jesus Christ give you rest. I pray that, Father, you may visit your people that are watching. And I pray that, Father, you may visit them in a very special way. I pray that you will lift up their weight, O God. And I pray that the peace of God, shalom, that surpasses human understanding, shall rule their hearts in Jesus' name, my Father. We are praying for strength, O God, upon the feeble and the weary. We are praying, O God, my Father, that for those that have lost trust and they, all they see is defeat, my God, I pray that they will see that you are working in them. In Jesus' name, my Father, we are praying that you, God, will be the high and lifted King in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen.